The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are live. One, two, three, four. What's up, everybody? Welcome into West by Pod, a podcast about WVU sports, the Big 12, and rounding out the schedule. I'm Joel Bracken. I'm joined, as always, by Jordan Pinto. We are finishing up our deep dive series today. Um, we are covering the last team on the WVU schedule, the Baylor Bears. And then we're also going to do the bonus um, fair treatment, cover the West Virginia Mountaineers in our 30-ish minute segment. Kind of as a good comparison after we have looked through the conference. Um, Jordan, we met in person for the first time this, uh, this last weekend. Jordan was in Columbus and uh, we had some beers and hung out. How was uh how was your trip to to Columbus? Yeah, man, it was it was good finally catching up in person. Um and we we really like Columbus. Um you know, I think uh, especially like the the area that where we were, we were we were on High Street like right by Gresso's uh German Village area. Um and I think we kind of talked about it. You know, it just felt like 15 minutes to everywhere. Um very very walkable if we wanted to walk. Um had some had some very good food, had some very good beverages. And, uh, you know, I think the, I'd give it probably, you know, like an eight, eight and a half out of ten. Um, I think the only thing that dragging the rating down, obviously, and it's not Columbus's fault, but uh, Ohio State's there. And, you know, it's it's hard to get out from under that shadow. Um, but the consensus from my wife and myself is that we would we would love to come back and uh, do that without kids this, <laughs> the, the, the next time, because <laughs> um, obviously uh, that shapes things. But no, we had we had a great time man. we hit the zoo. We hit Kosai. Um, yeah, we, I, I felt like we we snuck a lot into a to a relatively short weekend so that was good times all around awesome dude yeah shout out shout out gressos hopefully somebody listening to this pod has been to gressos that's the (laughs) wvu sports bar in columbus um it's our eastern or sorry our western forward operating base um yeah for for mountaineers yes that's that's the outpost there been there for some good show outs i already saw i think today on social media a um watch party for the penn state game going to be hosted there so Mm um yeah. Um, so yeah, like I like I mentioned before, we're wrapping up the deep dive series today, covering Baylor. That's the last game on the schedule, and then going to give West Virginia the same treatment. Um, I guess no insane conference news in this last week. We are like under three weeks until kickoff, um, so I feel like that kind of snuck up on me at least a little bit. Like all of a sudden, like oh, it's you know not these next two weekends, but the, the following. So we're getting really close. Um, so I think. 
you know, we're going to be doing our preview review sort of combo like we did last year on this feed. Um, and should have some exciting stuff in the next week or two uh, before the games actually get kicked off. Um, with that being said, uh, you ready to, to get into Baylor, Jordan? Let's do Baylor, man. All right. So Baylor Bears, last season, 6-7, and 4-5 and five in conference. They lost all of their regular season games to ranked teams other than West Virginia. That was their one loss that was not to a ranked team. Though... I think it was a little deceiving because um, some of those games, I think BYU was one of those early in the season. We know BYU did not end up being that great. That was an awesome game, like week two of the season. Lots of expectations for both of those teams at the time, but um, I think they both sort of turned it downward the rest of the season. Last year was Dave Aranda's third year, and he has had an up and down Baylor experience. Um, first season, I think, was two wins. The next season wins the Big 12. And then last season, back under 500, he's only 20 and 16 as the Baylor head coach. Um, he is highly regarded, but uh, just four games above 500. Um, and uh, so the the coaching staff, we're going to have Jeff Grimes as the OC. This will be going into his third season. And then the DC is Matt Pallage. Um, so this is his first season back. He was at Baylor for a few years. And then last season, he was a co-defensive coordinator at Oregon. Um, but he has some experience with Aranda. Um, but all in all, I would say last year was probably a disappointing, I mean, I, you'd have to say a disappointing year for Baylor coming off the conference championship, winning the thing, and then uh, limping in, finishing under 500 all together and in conference. What, what did you think of Baylor last season, Jordan? Yeah, I mean, you have to remember, right, they were they were picked to win the conference by the media ahead of last season as well, which, you know, I think both of us were, were much, much lower on them than that when we kind of went through our deep dives and over unders and everything before last year. But um, yeah, hard, hard to say it wasn't disappointing. Um, and, you know, just looking through it, I kind of got similar vibes with, with Oklahoma where um, not, not really a big like red flag. It's like, man, you know, like Baylor kind of sucked at like this thing, you know, like they're pretty, pretty well balanced. It felt like across the board uh, statistically, both offensively and defensively. And um, just generally found some ways to lose some close games. Obviously ours was one of them. Um, had a couple other, uh, had a couple other close losses. Let's see. I mean, you lose to Texas by, by 10, you lose the TCU by one, um, you know, they won some close games as well, but, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it's just, it's, it's nothing, nothing really stood out as, as like, man, Baylor sucked at this thing. And, but you know, they lose the four games down the stretch where like the wheels just really kind of came off, um, down the stretch for them. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, definitely a disappointing season though. Yeah. You can't go out on much more of a, of a thud than losing a bowl game before Christmas to a service Academy, uh, by multiple scores like that, that is a really a kick in the gut, um, yeah. to, to cap off the season. I mean, last year, their wins were Albany, Texas state, Iowa state, Kansas, Texas tech, probably the best win in there. By and then far, Oklahoma. Yeah. I mean, they really didn't have a good win. Um, like Texas tech, like I said, is probably the only decent one there. Losing in Morgantown, that was a uh, exciting game. That was maybe one of our most exciting games of last season. Um, Forty-three yeah. to forty. That was a epic one. Uh, was that a Thursday night game? If I remember right. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was, it was the high point. High point of the season for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So moving into this season, um, you know Baylor is projected to f- 
finished sixth in the conference, so just above halfway in the Big 12. Um, they have only one all-conference preseason guy, and I was just looking at the 2022 team. They had five all-conference preseason guys. Um, you know, last year, a little offensive favorite, or a little, little favored to the offense, 29th in offensive beta rank, 49th in defensive beta rank. And returning production has not been super kind to them. 88th in offense, 95th in defense. So um, losing some big pieces really all over. I mean, on both sides of the ball, to be honest. Um, losing some big names on defense. And, you know, I, I just from a from a wide view here, looking at this team, they just don't have the pop that Baylor had the last two seasons. Um, even with the disappointing year last year, they had guys. And, and looking at this team, they still have some guys, but... I think they have enough question marks for me that I'm, you know, sixth in the conference. I, you know, maybe that's the right range, but um, I, I'm not sure that this team can contend for for a conference title this year. No, I think like if, if you were going to split it into tier, well, which we did, right? But like six, six feels very much like you're describing Baylor as a mid table like a mid table side, you know, if you're, if you're a premier league soccer guy, premier league footy guy, that's like how you describe it. But like, I see them as more like, it, it feels like they're being projected on the wrong end of that, right? Like sixth is kind of like the upper half or the upper portion of what you'd say is the mid table, right? Where um, they're going to be one of the better teams in the conference, but they're not going to contend. I, I don't know if I see Baylor being that good, you know, like I, I see them as a mid table side, but maybe like trending a little bit lower than that. Um, just because, like you said, you know, they, you know, 98th overall returning production, they lose a bunch of guys on both sides of the ball. And this is the second consecutive year in a row where that's happened, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I think that was kind of um, one of the things that we were on early with them last year that, that maybe the media was, um, you know, appropriately fellating uh, Dave Aranda and, and everything. And that's fine, um, you know, because Baylor was so, so good in, in 2021. Um, but but didn't appreciate the pieces they lost defensively last year, and now you're losing a couple more guys on defense. You're losing a ton of guys uh, uh, up front offensively. Not to uh, not to get ahead of ourselves here, but yeah, it, it feels. I don't know. Looking at this, I don't know why they're they're over under seven and a half, and ours is five and a half. I really, you know, I I, I can't figure it out. But maybe we should uh, maybe we should just get into the uh, the offenses and the defenses, unless you have anything else uh, to cover. Yeah, I mean, yeah, let's chop it up. I mean, I think no. if you want to say, you know, what are the good things about Baylor this year? What are what are the good things that are coming back? What are the things that inspire some confidence? I think Blake Shapin has got to be, um, he he's something. He's he's not the best quarterback in the league no. by any means. But this guy was, I think, a, a top half of the league quarterback last year, maybe right around that midpoint. Um, you know, getting a guy coming back, you always expect a little progression in the right direction. Um you know, this guy, I, I, game manager is such like an insult to quarterbacks, but he kind of fits that role in my head a little bit where he's going to do the job. Like he's not probably going to go win you the game, but you hope he doesn't lose you the game and makes enough plays. Not a super dangerous runner. Um, you know, his numbers, I think the big flaw would be the under pressure numbers are, are pretty bad, which uh, we, we will discuss the offensive line, which is some questions this year might not be a great combo. Um, but I think all in all, Blake Shapin, like this is a quarterback that, you feel good having this guy come back. Um, you know, we mentioned right before we we hit record today, like what if Blake Shapin was West Virginia's quarterback and Baylor had Garrett Green? How would these teams be perceived differently? Maybe we'll revisit that at the, the end of this conversation today. But 
Um, oh no, I think I mean I think I think Shapen's a, a fine quarterback who who could get you there if you have the other pieces. Yeah, I, I feel your uh, I feel your hesitance to use uh, the game manager thing because it feels like he's better than that. He like I, he's like the best possible version of that, you know, right? Mm-hmm. Where like I feel like he's gonna make more plays than than your standard uh, game manager guy. Um, but yeah, no, I think the, the, the best thing about him is he's, he's safe with the ball, right? Like he's not overly explosive, but he, he's not going to put the ball in harm's way. I think he, he only had like 2.7% turnover worthy plays last year, which is, uh, which is a very good number. Um, capable scrambler, like you mentioned, he's not going to, he's not, he's not Garrett green. He's not a designed run threat. Um, can break contain and pick up some yards every now and then. Um, but yeah, I mean the big, the big red flag with him is, is the numbers against pressure, um, and you know, I also, I, like, I kind of picked up, he's, he's very play action reliant, right? Like his numbers take a big dip. Uh, Baylor, Baylor uses a ton of play action. Um, a lot of play action bootleg kind of stuff, uh, as part of their scheme. And his numbers are much, much better when they use that play action than they are when, when they don't. So, you know, if, if Baylor struggles to run the ball this year, could he take a step back? Maybe, um, I don't know, but overall good player. I mean, you know, like there are a lot of teams in the conference that would love to have yeah, exactly. There, there are plenty of people who would trade their position to have have Shapen as their quarterback. And I really like what you mentioned about like the the play action. That is a huge staple in the Baylor offense. Is a lot of this uh, play action and also a lot of getting the running backs involved, um, even in the passing game. So, um, kind of transitioning to the running room, um, you do have your only uh, preseason All Big Twelve guy, Richard Reese. And last year, this guy kind of lit it up as a freshman. Um, 189 attempts. He was just uh, 29 yards shy of a thousand yards rushing in the regular season, over five a carry. Um, this is a guy coming back who just going to be a sophomore. I mean, he he could really be there if the holes are there. Um, he could be a be a really big threat. And I mean, I'll be honest, I kind of like this running room. Um, maybe more than more than what I've read about it. But you look at Quaylen Jones as well. Also, uh, over five, a carry guy, get him involved in the passing game a lot. And then um, a transfer from Oklahoma State, Dominic Richardson. I I think they have some dudes in this room. Um, Once again, we'll talk about the offensive line in a minute, but I think this room has has some talent. Yeah, for sure. Um, one thing to watch, Quellen Jones, like he was, he was good last year. I want to say I read an article that he might be being suspended. Mm. Um, so I'm not sure. I guess it'll, that'll be something worth paying attention to. I'm not sure if that's just like a one game or like a half of a first game kind of deal, or if it's more serious than that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, either way, the two, the other two dudes are, are plenty. Reese was really good. Um, Baylor runs a ton of counter stuff. They run a ton of like outside zone stretch kind of stuff. He's a little bit smaller of a guy where, you know, disappears behind the offensive line, crease opens for a split second, he's through it um, six yards down the field before somebody gets contact with him. So he, it's, a, it's kind of like a perfect uh, mesh of, you know, like the, w- what he's good at and what Baylor's trying to do with him. So that's really good. And then Dominic Richardson, like a little bit bigger of a, you know, kind of a sledgehammer last year at Oklahoma State, um, like 6'1", 220 kind of guy, 6'1", 215, something like that. Um, so good mix of skill sets, you know, depending on what they're trying to do. Um, but yeah, no, I think, go ahead. Yeah. I, I just want to jump in as a, a fact check here. I actually did just search Quaylen Jones dismissed and suspended from the team. He's oh, not even okay. on the roster anymore. Okay. Well, there, there you go. 
this is news within the last week. So clearly did not check all of our sources. <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh man, they, they use this guy in the past game. What, what a good option here, but no longer on the team. So, <laughs> so I, the only reason I was looking at that, cause I was like looking through, I know I sent you like the quarterback tiers and everything. I was looking through the running back tiers and I, I had Baylor as like an A tier, A tier room, you know, like I had Baylor on the, on par with, with West Virginia. Um, I wouldn't trade, trade our backfield for their backfield, but they have good players. Right. And then, I, I saw something about that. I couldn't remember like how serious it was. That's obviously he must have he must have done something. Must have talked about Dave Aranda's mama or something like that. But <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that obviously changes stuff. But uh, he, still, you know, if those two dudes stay healthy, that's still one of the better rooms in the conference. Yeah. So so moving to the receiver room, I think this was an interesting room last year um, because there wasn't. A, a capital G guy in this room. There were a lot of dudes, and you know this is maybe a scheme thing of of moving the you know sharing the rock, and everyone sort of has their opportunity. But um, I don't know that we've done a, a team preview in the last two years. I've seen where the top target guys fifty one. They had two guys with fifty one targets, but that that's really not a lion's share at all. Um, what what did you think about the receiving room? And I, I would say that's inclusive of tight ends and running backs because they kind of used everybody last year. First of all, I would say that that Gavin Holmes uh, needs to be sending some royalties for whatever he got for his uh, NFL contract to to West Virginia University. We're in a little bit of a budget crisis right now. Um, he had like 480 receiving yards and like 210 of them uh, were against us last year. So you're welcome for your NFL contract, Gavin. Um, please, uh, please, you know, share the wealth, bring it back this way a little bit. Cause we need some cash. Um, but <laughs> yeah, uh, the, 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 the top three by targets are back. You know, you have, uh, uh top three back Armani Winfield. I, I remember we were talking about him. He was a four star last year who didn't end up playing a ton. Um, but I mean, there, there are good players in this room, right? Like how Presley was a good player. Um, Monterey Baldwin's a good player. Um, you know, like I, I don't know. I still, don't, I still don't see like a capital D dude. I still don't. I know they they added somebody. They had a Keytron, uh, Keytron Jackson, um, from Arkansas, who had some big plays last year. But but, it, you know, I was looking at the completion numbers. Only forty six of the time, percent of the times that he was targeted uh, was the pass complete last year. So a little bit of a boomer bust guy um, there. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. Overall, like. Decent, decent room, like decent room, decent room for sure. I think that, I mean, like getting all these guys back, you would expect some growth. You would, you would expect some growth. Um, Monterey Baldwin was probably the, he was the highest graded guy. Um, None of these guys pop off the page. And then I I think one thing that plagued this room was drops last year. They averaged about two drops a game. Um, So, you know, those are, (laughs) and I do remember some like critical drops. I mean, I don't think there were some in that TCU game that they lost by one point that were, you know, pretty heartbreaking, but, um, one big loss would probably be Ben Sims, a tight end third in your target list is like some Travis Kelsey kind of stuff. Um, he would be even higher, but you know, really in college football, you don't see a tight end getting involved that level. And then their fourth guy was Quaylen Jones. So clearly they're not afraid to, you know, throw the ball around to different position groups. Um, I'm not sure if they, they have a, a tight end that's going to step into that role. They have a Jake Roberts is coming in as a transfer, um drake dabney's coming back he had 19 targets last year but um yeah i i think this room is is comparable to to last year i think that they're 
they they can they can make it work, but nobody jumps off the page. And and once again, I mean, I think all of this conversation sort of just leads us to this offensive line, which is like <laughs> mild to severe um, question marks for me. Where it's just like the the offensive line where Baylor is you expect Baylor to be and what what they preseason or have on paper that they're putting out there is is like not not on the same level for sure yeah no I mean they've been they've been up there I feel like especially over the last I don't know five years or so right right it feels like they've been right there with Oklahoma of uh you know this is going to be one of the best offensive lines in the conference year and you're out um, I know two years ago they had they had uh, Connor Galvin was offensive lineman of the year for the year that they won the uh, the Big Twelve uh, championship and brought all these dudes last year uh, brought all those dudes back last year um, and now six of the top seven by both snaps and PFF grade uh, are gone. The only guy back is uh, what's Byers' last name or first name? Gavin Byers. Gavin Byers, yeah, left guard Gavin Byers. He's the only one of the top seven from last year who is back. Um, playing for the Baylor Bears again this year feels concerning. I don't know. I mean, a couple they added. It looks like they added the Barrington brothers from BYU, Clark and Campbell Barrington. Um, Clark was good last year. Campbell's kind of shitty. Um, but a lot of a lot of dudes slated to play who have not played. Um, and so you know, you go back to all the stuff we said earlier, right? Where this is a run heavy offense. This is, they like to run the ball to establish the play action game. Um, Blake Shapen better in play action than he is not play action. Blake Shapen struggles against presser, right? So like if, if this offensive line takes a step back and is merely average or, you know, I don't know, maybe worse, worse than that, right? That, that is really going to change how they play. So, um, it's a huge red flag for me when I look at this offense, the offensive line. Yeah, it's, it's 100% a red flag, a question mark. And if things go south, I mean, this would be my number one pick of why for Baylor. Um, Just just to illustrate further the inexperience at the line, um, Tate Williams, he played 27 snaps last year. He slated to start. Uh, Elijah Ellis, he played 11 snaps last year, slated to start. Um, You know, that's just just concerning to me. Um, And and just like the identity of this team. So, you know, just as a... Bigger picture, thinking about Dave Aranda and the you know the Baylor saga that they have had so far. I wonder if this is like an inflection point for Aranda, where it's like bad season to start, whatever. Then it was like great season, and then it was like you know disappointing season. And if you stack mm-hmm. like a second disappointing season, it's like okay, well as time going is going on, we're not actually getting better. We had that spark, and then now two bad years in a row, something like that. Um, I wouldn't count them out. I wouldn't count, you know, the the combo of, of Aranda. You know, you think Aranda's probably more of a defensive-minded coach. Um, you know, Jeff Grimes, we'll see see what they got cooking, but um, maybe have some of their, their work cut out for them um, just with the pieces they have. Um, for sure, yeah. I would be – I mean, if this offense is in the top half um, with that offensive line, I don't know. I mean, I like the skill pieces, but uh, we, we've, we've seen uh, in Morgantown – how if you have a shitty offensive line, it fucks everything else up, right? Like we don't need to sugarcoat it. So, you know, if if the offensive line's bad, it's it, it could be bad for the, cause like I'm not seeing any skill players who are like so good 
you know, there's no nobody like Randy Moss at Marshall where it's like this guy's going to get his regardless of who is throwing him the ball or what else is happening, right? Like there's good skill players, but it's all dependent on can we run the ball for four or five yards whenever we want to. Yep. And I don't know if they can this year. We'll see. Yep. All right. So transitioning to the defense. Last year, the offense was was better than the defense, um, which is, you know, a surprising thing for, to me for an Aranda team. Um, so once again, 49th in defensive beta rank, 95th in returning production, and they lost some guys. I mean, um, you know, last year, uh, Siaki Ika, um, Dylan Doyle, is he, he's gone, correct? He gone, yep. Um, you know, they, they had some guys that, you know, when you know, when you know a few names on the defense, you're like, yeah, that, that's, that's pretty good. Um, looking at this defense, I think there, there are some units that are going to be all right. And then there are some, some places once again, that I feel like the offensive line where it's just like, you're really the guy who is in the, the one spot is just a very inexperienced person who, um, it's just hard to project too much on. So, Starting with the defensive line, um, they get TJ Franklin and Gabe Hall back. Um, and these guys both were, were, were fine last year. They both graded out, you know, around average. Um, I don't think either of these guys were necessarily game breakers, but getting both of those guys back, I think you're going to have a, a decent defensive line. Um, did you look any, into anything with uh, Jarrell Boykins, the, the transfer coming in at nose tackle? Uh, there's there's not a whole lot out there to find. Um, so he's, he's a junior a sophomore, right? Yeah, he's a junior college guy. So it's you know he didn't have any uh, any PFF grades or anything like that. And you know if you look at the recording, I, I I looked at the recruiting rankings. He was just rated as like a you know like an 85 three star. Um, so you know wasn't like wasn't anybody who who jumped off the page as a recruit or anything. Um, I yeah I have that as my biggest. Uh, as my biggest question mark up front, right, is you're losing Siaki Ika, who yeah. was defensive newcomer of the year. I think he was defensive lineman of the year last year, or maybe it was Dante Stills. But, I mean, one of the best, yeah, a premier defensive lineman in the Big 12 uh, at the nose position. He's gone now. Um, yeah, like you said, Franklin and Hall, those guys, I think they're both in their third year as starters. It feels like uh, we've been thinking and talking about them for a while. Um, but, you know, is the s- step back from Ika to Boykins um, – could be significant. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I think it's going to be a serviceable group generally up front, but I don't know if I, I think they lose, they what they lose Jackson player as well, who I think was a big time transfer for them last year. Um, I don't know. Not a, not a ton of pop up front. They've usually mm-hmm. had a ton of pop. I'm not seeing a ton of pop. Yeah. Ika's just, I mean, literally a big body to replace. Yeah. I do clog the lineup and he was a problem. Yeah, um, he was like six, four, three. I mean, Dude was, was like one of the rhinoceri that we saw at, uh, <laughs> at Columbus Zoo last weekend. Yeah, he, he was enormous. So um, I agree. I think this will be a serviceable unit, but nothing popping off the page to me here. Um, moving, so they have they have a jack position and a star position. Do you know what those are? I, I assume those are the like jack? linebacker. Yeah, so the jack is like our bandit and the star would be like our spear. So gotcha. the jack is going to be kind of like a hybrid linebacker um, defensive end. So basically like an edge rusher. Um, and then the star is going to be like a box safety kind of, mm-hmm. I think is, is the vibe that I get. So, gotcha. So yep. they, they have a transfer Byron Vaughn's coming in, um, at that Jack position. And he is a transfer from Utah state and also Texas, Texas um, first. Yeah. Yeah. So 
in the you know in the sort of middle of the defense here the one guy you know i i wrote down was matt jones um and he was fine last season another guy bryson jackson um so those are bryson jackson's in the star position both of these guys last year were were fine jackson was on limited snaps um you know didn't play a ton but once again it's just like nothing popping off the page here to me that inspires like a ton of confidence it's just like they got some guys who did an all right job last year the defense was below average at the power five level and they're returning some of those guys who did just fine um which is just kind of it's eh to me it doesn't really inspire much either direction yeah no i mean i i think the the at the second level especially you have to call out dylan doyle he was really good for them last year he's not there yeah. anymore um and then i mean do we want to if we want to get into the secondary right like Devin Lemire, really the only dude back from the entire two deep last year in the secondary. I mean, it looks I'm seeing like a full reset, um, yep. especially at corner. All the starters and contributors are gone at the safety position. You bring back Lemire, but you lose three of the other, you know, the other the other three of the top four guys. Um, so hard to uh, I mean, I guess hard to can't really say they're going to be bad, but it's hard to say they're going to be good. Right. Like. I mean, you can't say that just with like five new starters on the back end that they're going to be great. We saw how that went last year. It wasn't good. wasn't pretty. No, good. knowing where this defense was last year, yeah, and knowing the pieces that they lost, um, I'm just and so it's like you know we do know a lot of these guys at least in the front levels who are going to be playing, and then the back level it's it's pretty fresh reset. I'm not seeing the path that this defense is any better than last year or, or, you know, tremendously better, even making that leap up to like average power five, I'd say they sit, you know, a little bit under average power five last year. Yeah. I, I just think there's too many question marks for me to say that this defense is going to be awesome. Obviously, you know, a defensive minded coach, um, with Aranda, but, um, yeah, they, they kind of got their work cut out for them. There's just not really any do, like I said, last year they had five guys preseason, all big 12. Um, they had dudes popping off the page in all the different position groups this year, I'm just not seeing it. And coming off a disappointing season last year, it's like, I I'm not seeing the like tremendous jump, um, forward. So all in all in Baylor, I mean, I think as I really cut through this, um, I'm just not, I'm not seeing anything that's telling me that this team's going to compete, that this team's going to be better than average. They might be average in the conference, mm-hmm. um, or just below, but, um, I would not be putting my money on the Baylor over. Um, yeah, seven point five. Uh, seven point five. Like that's asking a lot. I mean, let's 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 uh, let's peek at the schedule here real quick. Seven point five with an out of conference Utah. I mean, that is not fun. Utah is your second game of the season. They have Texas State, Utah, and then LIU. So those you're walking out of there. Utah like, will be favored, right? Like Utah has to be favored. Yeah, I would definitely think. Well, it's in Baylor, but or in Waco, but um, I think Utah would be favored. I think you're probably walking out of out of conference with two wins, um, and then and then you get Texas, so conference favorite. You get UCF at UCF, who is the the highest regarded of the newcomers, yeah. and Texas Tech, who is the dark horse darling. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, if this. Right, like if this goes south right away, if the offensive line's bad, the defense, the secondary can't stop anybody. You're staring at two and a, two and four right off the bat, yeah. and uh, and you haven't even you have to go to Kansas State, TCU, and West Virginia to to finish the year. So, um, seven I, and I, a half feels like it's asking just a ton. Seven and a half feels like it's asking a lot, and 
of our like picks, I would say I'm more comfortable in this one being an under yeah. than than some of the other ones where we we pick because you know odds makers are good at these numbers, but personal opinion, I'm not seeing the seeing the over for Baylor. Agreed. Agreed. Feels like with Oklahoma State thing, right? Where the coach and you know a lot of Aranda's reputation is pre Baylor, whatever. But it just feels like they're getting a lot of benefit of the doubt that that a lot of other teams in their position probably would not be getting. Um, yeah, because of who the coach is. So, um, okay. Anything else on Baylor? That's all I got. Yeah, that's all I got too. All right, bad. So Must win the game. Let's win the game. At the end of the year. Let's get to the good guys, West Virginia Mountaineers. Um, We've now covered every team that West Virginia will play other than Duquesne on our deep dive series. So if you're interested in going back and checking out what we think um, and a preseason look at these teams of all those episodes, um, doing two two an episode, I really feel like the last couple of weeks we've done this. We're coming down the stretch in the season. And obviously somebody's got to win these games in the Big 12, and there'll probably be a team or two that accumulates wins like we have talked about because of schedule. Um, but let's just just a quick recap before I talk about West Virginia last year. The final games, the final eight games, I mean, like basically our conference schedule, we talked through. We open with Texas Tech. That's going to be a good team. TCU, big wild card. Houston, Oklahoma State, we didn't like. UCF, I think UCF is going to be be a good team. BYU, we didn't like. Oklahoma, they're going to have some talent. Cincinnati, and then you close with Baylor. Yep. Um, in in the spirit of sowing the the off season confidence, like I feel like we talked through a lot of these teams and weren't like these teams are <laughs> some of these teams are not that good. West Virginia, now let's talk West Virginia. Pick to finish last in the conference. Pick to finish fourteenth. Last season, five and seven, three and six in the conference. Um, it was Neil Brown's fourth season. If you're counting it by the uh, the regular calendar, it was like you know somewhere in the one and a half range. If you write articles um, or are a, a Brown apologizer, so he will be coming into his fifth season, twenty two and twenty five as a co- as a coach at West Virginia. He's fourteen and twenty one, so he's won forty percent of his games in conference. Um, he's joined by Chad Scott at the offensive coordinator. It's his first season in that position. He's been the running backs coach for four seasons now at WVU. And I would say he's had a lot of success. We've had, that's been a a really tremendous room, um, on this team. Defensive coordinator is Jordan Leslie. Um, he's been with Neil Brown for a long, long time now going way back in the Troy, um, time. He's been the DC now the head DC for, for two full seasons. Um, Last year, West Virginia was 41st in offensive beta rank. They were 84th in defensive beta rank, one, and, and of that, 109th in beta rank against the pass. Um, that was really just, there were some games where you just wanted to close your eyes when the ball was, was flying downfield because you kind of felt like you knew what was going to happen. Um, returning production-wise, 86th in offense, 46th in defense. Um, like I said, predicted to finish last in the Big 12, Predicted to finish 52nd in beta rank. And we got one all-conference guy, and it is Zach Frazier. So, West Virginia this season. How are you feeling? Um, just situation-wise, I mean, we could talk an entire podcast about Neil Brown. When when do they pull the trigger? What's the confidence level? What's the How long is the leash? But, but what are, what are your, your gut feelings on West Virginia from, from 40,000 feet? Yeah. Uh, ask me again after five more beers. Um, 
Yeah, uh, man, when you say that we've lost 40% of our game, or we've only won 40% of our games underneath, it makes it sound like we've been really shitty for the last four years. I don't know. Um, dude, I I don't know. I it, it, Last year felt like such a big letdown, right? Like, it felt like seven and five was there for the taking. You think about the pick game, you think about the Kansas game. Um, based on the talent on the roster, based on the idea of JT Daniels that we were sold and the JT Daniels that we saw for the first third of the season um five and seven was a disaster and so it's it's not surprising right that a lot of these publications people who maybe aren't refreshing their west virginia newsfeed every single day or you know even every single week um are picking us last because our narrative is bad right now right like a lot of people wanted neil brown to get fired last year we probably just didn't he probably would have if we were a little bit more flush with cash um but he didn't or but we weren't so he didn't so I I have no business being as optimistic as I am about this team is what I'm saying. <laughs> it's just so stupid. Uh, it feels like, so I love the offensive line. It feels like for the first time in four years, we're actually going to have an identity on offense. Um, right. We have a homegrown quarterback for the first time since uh, who the fuck even what Pat white, Geno Smith, Geno Smith, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I love that. Uh, I love that whoever the quarterback is going to be is they're going to be able to run a little bit, which I think, you know, it's insane to um, it, just the arrogance to think that a, a school at our level, which is probably what, like mid high level P five um, can play offense without a quarterback who can run in 2023. Um, you know, cause it's not like we have Peyton Manning out there. Right. So mm-hmm. um I don't know. I mean, we, we have some question marks, but again, I don't think any of our question marks are any more glaring than any of these other teams that we've talked through, which is the important thing, right? Like I, yeah, you know, I think you can look and you could say Penn state's in better shape. Uh, Oklahoma's probably in better shape. Texas tech is probably in better shape. Uh, and then other than that, like, I don't know who the, like who the fuck really, like, why are we scared of any of these other teams? I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, obviously we were looking at the preseason view and there's an upside and a downside of all these things. And I think West Virginia's upside, like you said, it's like, we shouldn't be afraid of most of the teams we play. If things, you know, go the way that you would hope the coaching staff is, is planning on them going with the identity. We that eight leg parlay, right? If we could just hit this eight leg parlay where everything falls, right. Go Simply. Ahead, I mean, I, I'm just, you know, reviewing from last season too. the, the, the pit game was a gut punch, but, I will say I left that game with like some optimism of like, I think we're fine. I think Pitt's going to be fine. And I think we're going to be fine. And as the season wore on, we learned that neither of us were that good. Um, But the real gut punch just in review was the Kansas game. The second game of the season, you say, okay, we'll bounce back. Kansas we will bounce back against Towson. I think we're better than VT and we'll be a three and one. And to come out flat and, not know like not, look like we didn't know what the option was and how that worked and all that the kansas game really was a gut punch and that was a low point um you know that that was just painful and i, I just hope that this season obviously penn state is a really rough opener but um you know having pit there in the in the third week of the season like we we gotta gotta get the vibes at least rolling this year unlike last season i felt like the the train had stopped um, you know, Baylor was a nice little moment there. And then obviously beating both the Oklahoma schools, that was, you know, an awesome breakthrough for us, but circumstances is just such a, such a weird season for those teams, um, that it maybe wasn't as satisfying as it should have been, but 
we're over that. We're talking about 2023. And we got to start with the quarterback. It's Garrett Green. Dude's electric. Fantastic runner. He's a below average passer. I'm going to say it. Just by the numbers. He is a below average passer. But this guy's got big play potential. And he is the first quarterback in a while that we have had. I mean, I would say to, since Will Greer that it's like, this dude, you, you watch a play and you're like, he might j- we might score on this play. We we might just like have a big play here. We might he might pull something out on a on a third and long or a broken play. Like there's that kind of excitement. There's obviously some 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 things that can go wrong. I mean, like some fumbles on I think it was the Baylor game, maybe a big fumble, whatnot. But um I'm excited. I'm excited to watch this guy. I was not excited to watch some of the quarterbacks we've had in recent years. I will not name them by names, but you know who we are talking about. And the upside is like this guy could be fun, and if he can deliver the ball enough and make you respect both um, facets of his game, could be a big play guy. Um, super excited to see Garrett. I know you love Garrett Green. What What are your thoughts on him? Oh, I love Garrett Green. It's kind of one of these things too, where like, so my opinion of him is is so high that like. I almost wouldn't even be disappointed if Mark Hill beats him out. It's like if something changes in camp, right? Because it's like, oh, if you beat Garrett Green out, then like clearly you have yeah. earned uh, the right to play. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I've been I've been pining for him for uh, since his red redshirt freshman season. Um, and just yeah, I mean, for all the things you said, right? Like elite runner at the position. I, I wrote an article on Smoking Musket for those of you who who just listen but don't read. Um, of quarterbacks who carried the ball more than 35 times last year, Green ranked like seventh in PFF in, in his running grade, uh, averaged 7.4 yards a carry, which ranked sixth nationally in, in FBS. Um, you know, you look at the explosive play numbers; they're they're way up there in the top 10 nationally. Like, like this this dude is like no shit. I mean, you know, it feels weird to say that he's no shit an elite runner of yeah. the football at the quarterback position. Like he is. Um, and unfortunately, I mean, you called it out, right? Like as good as he's been as a runner, uh, he's that's how shaky he's been as a passer um, generally. And and the decision making has been has been questionable. You look at the Kansas State game. I mean, some of the passes that he threw in the Kansas State game, um, it's just you know you you I, I don't know what he's looking at. I mean, it's hard for me to say, right? Because I'm not a, I'm not a Division one quarterback. But then you also look at the Kansas State game, and he puts uh, two balls right on Sam James Dome. Uh, and Sam James scores two touchdowns in that game, right? So it's just like it's the boom bust potential that you're looking at. I think we compared him uh, earlier in the di- in the deep dive series to John Reese Plumley. Like at, at some point, like you just have to accept that. And but like you said, right? Like we we haven't since Will Greer had a guy where it's like, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck. Okay, good. And we, you know, we oh we just picked up a third and seven. When like we if had the play no collapse with Jared Deggy, were you ever like, oh, this might turn yeah. into something awesome? <laughs> no, no. And with Garrett Green, like you're not hoping that the play collapses, but like he knows what not, to do. He knows what to do because then you just fall back on your instincts. Um, you know, I think if you were going to look at like one air, one reason to like um, be optimistic about the throwing stuff is like. What do we need? Like this offense has been missing the explosive passing plays, right? Like that's been a thing since Neil Brown's been here, uh, whether because of the scheme, possibly the scheme. Um, Also, the dudes that we've had playing quarterback just haven't been the most explosive kind of guys. But like Garrett Green's deep passing numbers were actually like where he is like pretty far down the totem pole generally. If you just look at pass attempts that traveled 20 plus yards in the air, middle of the road. 
middle of the road among yeah. quarterbacks in P5, right? And so, and actually his his turnover-worthy play numbers, so he's he's a little bit reckless with the ball. The turnover-worthy plays are much lower on the deep passes where it's like either our guy's getting it or nobody is, which is encouraging. And so when you think about the way that the offense is going to try and play, or well, the way that we hope that they try and play this year, right, where it's 60% run, and then hopefully we're throwing the ball to somebody in single coverage. Like, I don't know. Like, this this dude was an Elite 11 finalist as a, as a senior in high school. And so, like, people who are like, well, if Nico's good, why hasn't he beat him out? Like, this is not some dude that we recruited off the street and, like, taught him how to throw a football over the last three years. Like, the guy was a high-level three-star recruit, Elite 11 finalist. It takes people different. Like, if you heard his interview with three guys, like, he didn't watch film in high school. He's basically Johnny Manziel in high school, right? He was just better than everybody, didn't care, yep. didn't watch film, did not did not practice his craft. And so everything that he knows about playing quarterback has been learned over the last two or three years on campus. And so maybe the light switches on. I don't know. I mean, one Big 12 offensive player of the, of the week last year against Oklahoma. So, so it's crazy to think that, like, I don't know why, like, why can't he be like a top half quarterback in the conference this year, considering how good he is at running? I think, yeah, I think why not? I think getting him in situations where he can succeed is important. Yeah. Like him and Neil Brown and, you know, the whole offensive staff, getting him in situations, passes that he can make comfortably. And I think just enough respect has to be given that we can throw the ball and beat a team downfield. Like you can't put eight in the box because Good transition here. The running back room is awesome. We we're going to be able to run the ball. We're going to be able to run the ball. Um, we got CJ Donaldson. I mean, needs no introduction after last season. Um, as a freshman, just an insanely good season. Um, and and your you know your guys coming in for additional punches. Jalen Anderson, Justin Johnson. Um, I mean, th- this is an awesome room. And you know, coupled with the offensive line, like. Th- <laughs> and Garrett Green. I mean, we could run crazy on some teams. Yeah. Um, if we, if you know, if we get that sort of initial push on the fr- offensive line, like we have so much talent to just run it down teams' throats. Is there a backfield? So, uh, excluding Penn State, right? Because I think we probably both concede that Penn State's is better. Um, but in the conference, like especially of the teams that we've reviewed, like on the schedule, like is there a backfield that you would trade for ours? Because I don't think that there is for me. Like I would take us no. over everybody we've looked at. Nothing that comes to mind, no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you mentioned CJ, CJ, freak of nature. Um, I kind of actually, I liked that. Uh, I don't know if you saw like the height, weight measurables. He's actually down like three pounds this year. He's like, so he's like 6'1", 237, down from like 240 last year. Um, little little lighter, a little quicker, a little quicker. I'm sure it's a very right different there. composition too. Oh, that's probably just carved out of cinder blocks, man. Um, and then, uh, Jalen Anderson, dude, I know, I know, I, I think I've said on here, like, I actually think that he plays running back, like the position of running back. I'm not saying he's a more effective running back, but like, he's better at the position than CJ is just mm-hmm. in terms of his patience behind the line, the way he sees holes. Dude forced 15 missed tackles on 35 carries last year. I know we talked a lot about Bijan Robinson and the rate and yeah. like, obviously Jalen's Jalen's, uh, volume is nowhere near what like Bijan's was, but I mean, that's forcing a missed tackle on like 40% of your carries. That's kind of that's kind of a crazy number. Like if you look across college football, there aren't going to be more than five guys in a given year who who have that kind of a missed, force, uh, missed tackle rate. Um, Justin Johnson's good. I mean, and then if you follow uh, if you follow the camp stuff, like Jaheim White and DJ Oliver have been two of the dudes who have been talked about 
as much as anybody. These are the two true freshman running backs on the team. Like we're we're looking at getting Jaheim White returning punts. Like we're talking about playing him at slot receiver just because he's that good with the ball in his hands. Like yeah. it's it's the best top to bottom, the best room that I can remember. Um, yeah. It's, and it's it, yeah, the last decade. I don't know. And it's crazy because we're losing Tony Mathis. You know, he was no. the top attempt guy last year. But yeah. um, CJ averaged six a carry. Garrett Green averaged seven point four. Jalen Anderson averaged seven point nine. Yep. Those are, that's your, those are your guys. I mean, that's those are your three primary ball carriers this year. We're going to be able to run the ball. I mean, I, I think that's that's a given. The caveat is, um, you know, versus how many in the box, and we go to the receiver room, and that's where you know that's where things change a little bit. Um, so we had the stats on here on the offense, the, the receiver room. Um, we lost about 2,500 snaps, almost 300 targets, almost 180 catches, 17 touchdowns. You know, this is where this is the reset. And man, if things can go right, if you could, if you could make one thing happen for this team, it's that you get like three dudes come out of this receiving group and make a difference. I mean, there's so many guys in this list that have shown promise, but somebody's got to like go and be a division one, like playmaker and difference maker. All of a sudden, I mean, we got starters projected Grayson Malice, Malice Shevich, Jeremiah, Aaron, Devin, he ain't, Carter. He ain't the one uh, I hate to say it, but go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Devin Carter, Cortez, Braham. Um, and then, you know, got some other guys like Rodney Gallagher, Preston Fox in there. Um, you know, do you, is anybody saying that to you that's, that's going to be that guy? Because, I mean, it, it's just a blank statement of like, none of these guys have been that yet because everyone's gone. So does anybody stand out to you that you like? Uh, I mean, Carter Carter probably has to be somebody who... So here's the thing, right? Is like, if we're running the ball like we're talking about, these guys are going to be getting the most favorable of matchups, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and if you can't... You can't be a D1 power five receiver and not win a one-on-one matchup like most of the time. Like you can't can't you can't just be manned up on an island and not get open uh most of the time. But I don't know. I mean, I've been hearing really good stuff about Carter. I thought Braham came on. Uh Cortez Braham came on towards the end of last year, made some nice plays down the stretch for us. Um I'm hearing a lot of good stuff about EJ Horton. So he's transfer from Marshall. Um which, you know, whatever, take that, take a shot and, and wash that down with it. Uh, but dude, dude can fly. Dude's a little bit of a burner. Um, so, you know, maybe him. Um, been hearing some good stuff about Rodney Gallagher. I don't know. I, I don't think that we're going to be playing, you, you know, this isn't going to be an offense that's wide open, five receiver sets. Um, yeah. Probably not even four receiver sets, right? So I think you're looking, mm-hmm. you're looking for, for Carter and Braham, like, Hopefully to be the dudes because they're both bigger body guys. Hopefully they can block on the outside, and then you just you need a little bit of pop out of the slot, right? You need EJ Horton or Rodney Gallagher or maybe Jaheim White. Like if Jaheim White is that that good, um, I don't know. Like I'm not super concerned about the depth, but like you just you just need like two of the like you said you need two of those guys to pop. Yep. Yep. I mean it's a blanket statement of like this is this is an open. Open room. There is nobody who has like any sort of, of reason to think that they are the guy. There's like eight dudes in here and we need like two or three of them to become a threat. And it, I mean, it's, it's funny to say, but it's like you don't have to win the game at this position. You just need to make them respect the, the pass enough that we can Dude, make like one play schedule. The game. 
yeah, stay on schedule with a run. Like that's going to be our bread and butter this year. The offensive line. Um, this is an off- This is an awesome offensive line. You probably know all the names: uh, Milam, Frazier, Brandon Yates, Doug Nestor. I mean, these are guys who have put in some snaps, put in some work, taken their lumps in seasons past, and and this line is really built up. I mean, you think about where the offensive line was when Neil Brown took over, and you know, I I, I feel like this line has been a, been a really, it's been on like a really nice trajectory um, in the Neil Brown era. If there's anything you can point to, like they they have really got this thing going and. Um, I think we got a lot of guys on this line. I mean, I think if if we can if we can make the the pass respectable, we have all the tools to run this ball, you know, at will and 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 make that a you know a first down second down run kind of team. Yeah, I mean, we re- we return top five players in the conference at every position. So Zach Frazier, top returning graded center in the conference. Um, Nestor and Rimich, uh, graded out fourth and fifth respectively at the guard position. Uh, Wyatt Milam was the top, was the third highest rated, uh, tackle last year. Right. And we're, we're the only team that you can say that, right. Everybody, every other team, um, lost, lost dudes, lost dudes basically. Like I think, you know, Kansas state will probably have a good line. Um, Texas will probably have a good line. Oklahoma will probably have a good line, but this one is like, we're right up there with any of them. Um, and like you said, you know, you're looking at the dread, at the trajectory, like 2020 couldn't run the ball at all. Average what? Like three and a half yards a carry or something stupid like that. If that, <laughs> um, 2021, a little bit better last year, even a little bit better. Like this is the year, you know, they took over a couple of games last year, but they also got punked a little bit, right? They got punked on the road at Texas. Um, we couldn't run the ball at all. Uh, Texas tech couldn't really run the ball at all. Um, this is the year where like, um, you know, like B plus needs to be the baseline, right? Like you can't get punked by anybody. You need to be the thing that we fall back on. Like when, when shit's not going right, it's okay. We're going to turn around and give the ball to CJ behind this offensive line and we can get four yards whenever we want it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, that needs to be the baseline. And then this needs to be an offensive line that takes games over, right? Like there are not a lot of dominant defensive lines in this conference this year. I don't think, um, particularly not on our schedule. Um, I'm not sure there's a single dominant defensive line on our on our schedule. Uh, and, and so the attitude, the sentiment needs to be going into every single game that, look, whatever else is going on, we are going to kick their ass up front on offense. And yeah, that, that's got to be the idea. I mean, that's got to be, be that's got to be what this team is. That's got to be what this team is. Yeah. And yeah, I said it before we recorded, but um, I, I will say that West Virginia has had success with teams that have plenty of dudes who can run the ball and, you know, just enough, enough of a passing game that you just need to respect it a little bit. Um, This is, this has worked in the past and a great offensive line. So, you know, this has worked in the past. I'm not saying it will work this year. I mean, the optimistic thing is Garrett green improves. He's a more accurate passer. They get enough short routes in that it's something that you can't just load the box that and and then we run the ball down teams' throats, and you know we're running for over two hundred some a game. Yep. The, the pessimistic is teams test us, and Garrett Green can't deliver the ball, um, especially like on some some longer routes. And teams put eight dudes in the box, nine dudes up in the box, and just like dare us, dare us to beat them downfield. And I will say another thing: I I worry just a little bit with this style, and you always have to with modern college football. Just like this is the kind of style you don't want to get behind early. You don't want to get down two touchdowns eight minutes into the game 
three yep. touchdowns in the second quarter. Like this isn't probably going to be a recipe for success for us. Um, so, hey, don't come out flat. Don't come out like some games we've seen in the Neil Brown era. It's going to be more important than ever to uh, come out, you know, guns firing. So, um, all right. The defense. The defense. Do you want to kick us off on the D-line? Oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so, I mean, we lose Dante Stills. We lose uh, Jordan Jefferson, right? So, Stills to the NFL. Jefferson to LSU. Apparently, uh, LSU pays a little bit better than we do. Um, not really sure why why he would have left. Um, but we do add some guys, right? We, we had uh, Duraje uh, Tamoya, uh, Fatorma Moba, and uh, Davion Hawkins. Um so actually, three P five transfers. Uh, so uh, Dorje, I'm not going to try the last name. Is, is a Kentucky guy. Fatorma Mulba's uh, a Penn State guy, and then Davion Hawkins. Actually, he was at Tennessee State uh, the year preceding this, but originally he was a Kentucky guy as well. So um, add some pieces. Um, also bring some pieces back, right? Like I mean, you lose a little bit of the pop with uh, with Dante Stills, um, but you bring back Sean Martin. You bring back. Um, Ed Vesterinen, you bring back, um, Mike Lockhart dude from, uh, from Georgia tech who was transferred last year, kind of got his feet under him. It felt like for the last half of the year, um, when the defense marginally improved, they weren't good, but they, they got a little bit better. Um, and I don't know. I think, I think that there are enough dudes up front where we're going to be serviceable. Um, I'm not sure where the pop is going to come from. Um, I know we got a couple new dudes in a bandit. What do you, uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you think about the defensive line? Yeah, I, I think hopefully serviceable pop is, is, you know, we lost some guys. We lost some guys who really contributed, um, in the last couple years. And, you know, the guy I have written down is, um, is Sean Martin just like, you know, really needs yeah. to step up big in that role and, you know, be the headline guy. Um, but yeah, I did grades last year. He was good last year. Yeah. And you know, it's like, like we've talked about with some of these other teams, just seeing that it's like, okay, there's some guys in here who've who've done some semi-productive stuff, but nobody pops off the page. And that's just kind of how I feel about our defensive line, just being objective compared to all these other teams we talked about. Um, you know, last year, the defensive line was not the problem. That was not, um, really what was holding the team back on defense. Um, like I mentioned before, we were 109th, I believe, in the beta rank effective pass. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that was just, you know, getting us chopped up, um, especially just the deep passes. I mean, even the Baylor game, we won the game, but I just remember the ball just flying downfield and you're like, why are we, why, why do we not have guys in that section of the field at all? Gavin Holmes, NFL contract because of our game. Anyways, yeah. continue. No, you're right. 210 yards. I did look that up while you were talking about it. I can't believe it. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> um, like half of his output. Yeah. I mean, moving to the second level, though, I mean, we have some some guys coming back that I think have have potential. A couple guys who have potential to be like real difference makers. Jared Bartlett, um, Lee Koba, Lance Dixon. You know, we have we have some guys who all have like shown flashes of being that guy. And I kind of like our middle level. I kind of like some of these these people we got in here. Yeah, yeah. I you know I, I think we we you and I are both big uh, Kogba fans. Like uh, Garrett Green described him. He's he's you know he's the first off the bus guy, um, and uh, that that feels right because like you just see this dude. He looks like he built like fucking Thor. Um, 
I think, I mean, the, 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 the two, the two big question marks, the second level, right? So, um, Jared Bartlett, can he do it any more consistently than he has done it? Um, if not, who, who, who gets pressure off the edge, right? We have a dude, Tyron Bradley in, um, James Hurd, true freshman, um, weighed out a little bit bigger than I expected him to. He's actually like two six two two thirty five. 235. Um, is he physically ready to go? He's a pass rush specialist. Uh, so, you know, could, could, could some of those guys give us a little bit of pop off the edge? And then who's playing next to Kogba? Um, right? Like, I think there are a lot of candidates that I, that I feel good about. Um, maybe Dixon slides back in there. Um, also, Trey Lathan, uh, who was one of our highest graded recruits uh, from either last year's class or the year before. Um, he's looking good. Uh, Tyreek Austin, Austin Cave. Um, four star, four star transfer from Miami. Um, and then, uh, Ben Cutter, Ben Cutter, true freshman who I really liked, um, from North Carolina, uh, dude had like 300 tackles or something like that over his last two seasons in high school. So always around the ball. Um, I think those are the two question marks, but like you said, we have options. Like none of them have, um, done it yet. But like, I think that I think that we have some pieces there that I don't feel horrible about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just need a serviceable unit yet there, and I think some of the playmakers on this defense could be in that unit. Um, you know, as we move to the secondary, though, I think Aubrey Burks has got to be the headline. You know, to talk about here, Aubrey Burks kind of hidden in a defense and hidden in a secondary that was very problematic. Yeah. Aubrey Burks had an insane season last year, eighty four point nine. Um, PFF grade an 87.5 coverage grade. That's very high. Um, and you know, hopefully, so this year he is a, a junior, um, you know, this is kind of going to be like maybe the anchor of our backfield cornerbacks. We're looking at Andrew Wilson lamp and Malachi Ruffin. And then when you look into the two deep, it's, it's a lot of transfers. I mean, it's a lot of, a lot of new faces. So, you know, not a ton of guys, returning from that secondary but you know that was was one of the that was a rough spot on the team so um you know i think we have some pieces there and then i don't know much about many of these transfers in the uh in the set in the two deep yeah burks it was it was one it was just kind of surreal watching him right like towards the end of the season where it just felt like all the good things that happened down the field where he was involved in and he was nowhere near any of the bad things that happened it was, it was so like end of the year you see that he's like uh, I think I have him down. He is the top graded returning defender among legacy Big Twelve school uh, legacy Big Twelve schools who played 100 plus snaps. Um, I think Dante Corleone, Cincinnati nose tackle, uh, graded out higher. But among the teams that were in the Big Twelve last year, he is the highest graded returning defender. Um, but yeah, I mean, some some of these transfers, man, um, seem pretty seem pretty good. I think I think a step above what we were being sold last year. Like you look at corner, Beanie Bishop had an 81, uh, 81 PF grade, PFF grade on 260 snaps at Minnesota last year. So, um, and actually had really, really good numbers at Western Kentucky the year before that. So, has shown that I can do it at this level. I can also do it at this level. Um, Montre Miller, uh, three year starter at Kent State, had a 78.6 last year on 807 snaps. Um, Jacoby Spells, uh, you didn't mention he was the highest graded person in our class last year. Made the big play against Virginia Tech, and I think the uh, the thing with him is you know made plays, but like got beat a lot. Um, so can he clean 
clean some of that up and maybe not get beat so much. But I don't know. It, it feels like enough at cornerback. I know Andrew Wilson Lamp didn't play much for the first half of the year. Was really good down the stretch, I thought. Um, yeah. And he's a dude with like – he's kind of got a weird body type for a corner. He's like 6'3", 180. Um, so like just a big, big lanky guy. But, you know, gets his hands on people. Um and then at safety, I mean, you know how I feel about Hershey McLaurin. Hershey McLaurin, like, Your guy. please figure out something to do with this fucking guy. Because, like, what a fucking athlete. What an athlete. And when he hits people, they go down. Like, he was the only guy in our entire defense who solo tackled Bijan Robinson in his face last year against Texas. Um, figure out what to do with him. Please. God. Yeah. Um, but the, the transfers, Keyshawn Cobb. Decent. I mean, really good tackler. Wasn't as good in coverage. Uh, transfer from Buffalo. Anthony Miller, three-year all-conference guy at Georgia Southern. Um, so who knows? I know that. Um, I know that we like the attitude of those two guys. Apparently, like they are some like hard-ass dudes, which is maybe something that a younger secondary, you know, it's definitely not going to hurt. Um, playing with a little bit of playing with a little bit of tude. Um, and then kind of the one guy who's gotten lost, Christian Stokes, who was right up there with Jacoby Spells, I feel like, as like, we're super excited about this guy. We got him to commit. I think it was us in Michigan State um, who were contending. And then he he got hurt his senior year of high school, and so he missed all of last year. And, uh, like, does he start – redshirt freshman, does he start, like, flashing a little bit? Mm-hmm. Um because again, you know, like you said, Arby Burks was the one good guy. The secondary was shitty last year. So like there there shouldn't be any like uh, you know, USA flags planted on the moon, so to speak, in terms of playing time uh, mm-hmm. among these four positions, right? Like it should be it's just a wide open slate like whoever's the best player should fucking play. So Yeah. Just one more thing I want to add just about this team as a whole. Um when you look across the 22 22 projected starters Six seniors. That's it. This is a young team. And that's important to remember. Two of those guys are receivers. We have two receivers. Um, Doug Nestor. Um, we got Koba, Marcus Floyd, Malachi Ruffin. Six seniors. That's it. It's a young team. And just like expectations, just remember that. Remember that oh, these guys buddy. are probably going to continue to grow also. Um, if you were trying to get me more excited, then you did it. No, yeah, because... because I I don't know why, but I would not have in my head. I'm like, how do we not have more seniors on this offensive line? I feel like I've heard Wyatt Milam for like 19 years at this point. I feel like I've heard Zach Frazier for like 19 years at this point. Brandon Yates, a junior. It's it's a young team. It's a team that's building up. Obviously, stuff with the Portman, CJ Donaldson, a, a sophomore, Jalen Anderson, a sophomore, Justin Johnson, a, a junior. A lot of guys. You just got to find some that are going to pop. I don't think we're the 14th out of 14 teams in this conference. I put some money down on it and I will put some money down on it. Um, I don't think I have as well. Yeah, I already, I don't think this is the worst team in the conference. Fuck no. I don't think this team is, I think this team other, if you throw UCF out, I think we're better than all three of the newcomers. And I think we're better than a few other teams or we're going to be in the mix with a few other teams in this conference. I think this can be a middle of the road team in the conference. Do you want to talk schedule because it's a tough it's a tough out of conference schedule. I mean, there's this it's no and it's been a tough out of conference schedule. Neil Brown, I'm sure, just is like, hey, can I schedule the games every season instead of you guys do this six years in, in the future? 
But, yeah, um, so I think uh, I think we're going to do a little bit more of a scheduled deep dive next week with uh, with a couple of the other folks from the Smoking Musket. But yeah, yeah, I mean, we might as well run through it, right? Like, I mean, Penn State, Penn State out of conference to open the year is is tough. Night game and night game in State College, tough, 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 yeah. tough. Um, Penn State's probably going to be a top fifteen team, right? No one's going to be mad if you lose that game. Nobody's going to be mad if you lose that game. I think like what we're shooting for there is is twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen Alabama, whatever year that we opened with Alabama um, in uh, in Atlanta is is what you're looking for, right? Like I just want to make them sweat. I want some sphincters to tighten in the third <laughs> quarter, right? Like C.J. Donaldson crashes in for a touchdown, ties the game up mid third yeah. quarter, assholes tighten. Yeah, and and that's all I want. I just want to make them sweat for like. 10 minutes in the third quarter. Um, and then we can lose by two touchdowns and, and I'm not going to be too hurt about it. Uh, Duquesne, obviously, you know, must win. Pitt, a reset pit with Phil Jerkovich at quarter. Like, you have to win that game. You just have to win that game. That's a must win game. <laughs> Night game, must win. And then, yeah, you. I mean, it just sucks because it's front front loaded, right? Like, we've, we've talked through Oklahoma. We've talked through Oklahoma State where, like, these schedules, like... Jesus Christ, these these teams could not even be good and could fall ass backwards into nine wins. And it feels like the opposite is true for us. We're like, I mean, it, we could easily be two and three going to Houston, one and four going to Houston. Worst case scenario, like, right? And we're, if, we're, if we're one and four, like, Neil Brown's probably not going to be the coach anymore. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Texas Tech coming to Morgantown, thank God. TCU reset. But those are like two... Two of the better teams in the conference. If you win one of those, it's it's a win. You win one yeah. of those games, and then there is a soft spot in the middle of the schedule. I mean, yeah. there is. And it's those four games, Houston, Oklahoma State, UCF, BYU. I think you can go six and two. I think you can go six and two over the over the last eight. Yeah. I think you know, Texas Tech's gonna be tough, but I think starting with TCU. You can go six and two there, right? Like you probably lose to TCU, you probably lose to Oklahoma. I think you can win every other game easily so in your opinion does neil brown have to have a winning record this year oh yeah yeah seven sure. and five seven and five earn him another at year the, at the minimum uh god it's it Obviously depends, it depends. How it looks it depends Obviously how it depends. looks right like you mentioned we only have six seniors right like if this is a team where it's like okay we can see this is this is going somewhere garrett green is like a real piece Mm-hmm. Um, and you give the defense another year to, to grow up, like, especially in the secondary where we said, I mean, everybody we named is either a redshirt sophomore or younger, um, aside from the transfers, then yeah, I could see seven. I could see seven getting them in. I'd prefer eight. Cause I do I'd like for 10, but you know, I really <laughs> dude, but, <laughs> but like other than Penn state and Oklahoma, there's not a team that I'm scared of on the schedule, which is, you know, maybe that's on me for being a fucking idiot. Right. But like at the same time, like, but like every other team, every other team has question marks the same way we do. So like, why can't this be one year? I mean, the football gods have, have pissed on our ashes for five years. They really have. They really have. And that's fine. But like, why can't this be the one year where we're like, we're the team that finds the answers to the four questions that we need to find answers to. Like, why can't this be that year? And we win eight or nine games. I mean, they're like I said, Two unwinnable games. Two games where we're probably going to be worse than like a 75-25 underdog. Yeah. And other than that, everything else is going to be puncher's chance. Like, let's go make some plays. I agree. I think I um, I think that's a good I think that's a good way to to wrap it unless you have any other thoughts. No. Like you said, we're going to get into a more in-depth yep. 
kind of break down with some um, additional musket um, contributors on here. So um, with that being said, you can find us on smokingmusket.com. You can find us on, on Twitter. I'm at WV Stats Guy. Jordan's at Game Day Shorts. We also are at West by Pod with underscores. Join the, the Smoking Musket Discord. Listen to Unreasonable Doubt for your basketball, WVU basketball um, needs. And get ready for football season. Hey, enjoy enjoy the preseason optimism. You're allowed to you're allowed to like things. You're allowed Now's to have time, fun. Man. You're allowed to get up on your team. Like that's totally fine. Now's the that's, time. Now's the time to do it. There's plenty of time to fucking hate ourselves in two months. <laughs> and we all know we've done enough of that over the years. So you're allowed to to have some joy over your team and and yeah. drink your drink some Kool Aid. So um, we will be ne- back next week with um with, with a fun episode. I think. And, um, yeah, getting excited for football season. So we're getting close. Thank you, as always, for listening, and we will catch you next time. All right, take care, guys. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.